Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Slamfire Radio. This is episode 362 for July 9th. Am I hosting again? You are now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Adriel. <laughs> I'm another one of your hosts. I'm Kelly. I just automatically, it's like, oh yeah, let's do this, start this new thing. It's like, oh, this is the third time in a row I'm doing this. Meh. Meh. Yeah. I'm next week. Yeah. Okay. I do know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's July. And it's summery. We're, it's we're wearing very summerish, summerish clothes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is our. It was originally supposed to be our. Can I say it? Can I say uh, it? I can say it. Can yeah, I? Yeah. Our Boogaloo episode because everybody on Facebook was talking about Boogaloo and things getting deleted. So mm-hmm. we're here in our Hawaiian shirts, our one-shot tactical hat here because it's Boogaloo as well. I, and I have some a moonshine here. What are you drinking over there, Adriel? Um, I was on some very nice uh, Copper Moon uh, <laughs> wine out of a box. Out of a um, box. And, I'm, and now on uh, whatever Superstore calls whiskey. Uh, they oh. sell it in, in big plastic jugs. That's what I'm on now. I'm drinking out okay. of the wine glass because I'm not getting another glass. Oh, okay. Well, that's very high class of you. Mm. Jug whiskey. That's what people generally know. say when they meet me. It's like, wow, you are one classy dude. <laughs> you are one classy dude. This screams class. What you do? What you doing here? Is <laughs> <laughs> he burps? Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. What we did in guns this week is brought to you by the Calgary Shooting Center, Canada's premier firearms retailer. Right now, they have the Ruger Precision Rimfire 22 on sale for six ninety nine, um, which is actually a pretty good deal. So if you, if you've looked at the Ruger Precision, it's like the cheapest uh, bolt action rifle you can get in a precision chassis like aluminum and, and all that kind of jazz this is the 22 version mm-hmm. it's very similar to the ruger precision rifle you can even mod the the bolt so that you run the bolt fully like you would on the uh the uh, full-size version yep. just with a 22 or you can run it short stroke whatever you want um and it's 6.99 yeah. there are some things on it that are that aren't the same as the big boy version uh like there's some things that aren't uh uh aluminum where they're they're plastic on on the rimfire version um but they're really cool my buddy has one of these things and it is like one of the cooler 22s and now that more uh uh 22 precision competitions are are coming into play like orps is all across the country crps is a thing um definitely an option for that definitely an option they're really fun to shoot. Uh, the one that I shot, we switched out the uh, chassis for an MDT chassis. So it made it a little heavier. Mm-hmm. Really nice rifle. Yeah, I love it, by the way. Mm-hmm. Just love mm-hmm. it. Yeah, really cool. And if, you, if you want to like train on something cheap to shoot yep. for your PRS rifle, this is uh, definitely, a, definitely one of those options. Good version. Yeah. 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 And lots of adjustments on them. Like that, one of the things I like about... Uh, 
uh, a lot of those PRS rifles is they're super adjustable. Adjust the length of pull and the yep. comb, and you can adjust the the back, but you can put it sideways <laughs> so it goes there. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, this one, yeah, you can pretty much do anything and everything with that. I don't know why they don't do that with more rifles. Like, who has a straight, like, your arm here is not really straight. I, it's always, like, a little bit angled, right? Yep. Why don't they just angle all of them? I guess cost, just make it straight. Oh, lefties. You couldn't get, you can have a, a lefty well, shoot one that's angled like that because you put it over here and it would really hurt. Well, Not on a 22, it, but like on any, on any other rifle, right? Yeah, but you'd have to actually have it fitted as well. If it's angled, it's just angled this way. It's not this way. No, or this what I'm way. saying is, why don't they just do that like for all the rifles? Like rather than making them straight, why wouldn't they like twist a little bit at the butt for all of them? Oh. And the reason is, like, well, as yeah. soon as you go on the left hand, it's like all of a sudden you're in pain sitting. Yeah, no, I thought you were meant like angle up or down as opposed to left or right. Okay. Oh, yeah, this, this way. This okay, way. so why don't you just put it on a, a tilt? Well, yeah, that costs though. <laughs> I get why they don't do that. I get why no one like where a few people put a put a tilt on there, and that's like a premium. Okay. Premium so all of uh, so all of the manufacturers that uh, mm -hmm. listen to Slamfire Radio, not a lot of them, anyways. Um, but if don't you guys don't listen to us, don't listen. To us. Don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Come on, it's like that Homer mobile. Remember, he built that car. <laughs> That's what we would build, the Homer mobile. <laughs> this is the Homer rifle uh, with so 14, funny. what was it? He, the drink cup Glass holders. Glass over the top so you can see all around. Yeah. 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 And it had, it had cup holders everywhere. Mm -hmm. That'd be like our rifle. Cup yeah. holders everywhere. Yeah. Can you put a cup holder in a rifle? Uh, yeah, I got a 3D printer. I can, I can put anything. You can do anything you want with the 3D printer. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can make your own rifle, apparently, too. Mm-hmm. No? Yes? Uh, we will talk about yeah. that on Slamfire Radio publicly. You could. You could. I, I have not, and I have no plans to, but okay. you could. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do my stuff just because my stuff is, uh, is real easy uh, and okay. short. Uh, okay. I got my WK-180. Okay, so. Yeah. Mounts for the W here. I'm just gonna go like this and pin video, pin video. I guess I don't know. Uh, this was the mount that was on my WK. Now okay. the issue, the, I, I I really like this mount. This is the one that comes with the uh, uh, Aimpoint Pro. It's got yep. like a quick disconnect, like knobby thing. Turn it, click, 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 and 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 your your uh, red dot's good. on. And I've yep. taken this thing off, put it on another rifle. Shot with that rifle, didn't need to adjust it. Brought it back to one other rifle, didn't need to adjust it. Like it locks in really nicely. It, um, this knob is big and it was actually hitting the side of my rifle right there. And oh, it wasn't I see, yeah. locking in properly because this uh, pick rail is, uh, it's, it's not pronounced enough, which I'm glad they didn't make it pronounced because it would, uh, it would raise it up even higher off the, uh, off the shelf there. Yeah. So, so long story short, on it. couldn't use this one. Um, but, but it's just a 30 millimeter tube. So I just opted to use, uh, one of these Nikon P series ones. Mm -hmm. And I used that on my rifle and I've got it quite far forward. Uh, this is still on the receiver, but it's right at the front edge of it. And the reason why I have it there is because uh, it doesn't matter what distance your red dot is. And the further out it is, the more you can see around. Clear. Yeah. 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 So that's, uh, that's, that's why it looks, it looks a little bit funny because it's so far forward, but that is for a reason. And that's really for, for shooting three gun. I am 
looking at my target, shooting, but really like once I'm done shooting that one, I'm transitioning to my other one and having that red dot way up front there means that I've got lots of space to see my other targets. Yeah, um, you can transition. The other thing that was interesting is that by going to this mount, I lost 100 grams because this is chunky. This is a chunky piece of aluminum here, and this is not. Like, I, I probably couldn't abuse this as much and, and uh, uh, rely on it to, to hold zero like that other mount would. But, uh, boy, 100 grams is a lot. That's a lot to lose on a mount. Yeah. I'm thinking that you need to toss that out a little bit. So go and do some shooting, throw it around a bit, dump it into a barrel, take it out and see if you still hold your zero. Mm, dump it into a dump sled or something like that, like hit it on the side yeah. kind of a thing, yeah. see, see what it'll do. I think yeah. it's going to be fine. Like it's still, it's still a substantial piece of uh, piece of aluminum that's clamping down on there. Um, but I'll try. I'll try. Yeah. I, I, cool. I've got a while before my next three gun match just because I'm mostly doing maple seeds, but uh, I think that uh, that'll work. Um, yeah, anyways, this is going to be my maple, uh, not maple seed rifle. Oh, sure it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's going to be what I'm going to be using uh, for a three cool. gun. Uh, I put up a video on these cross mags. Yeah, how do you like them? I haven't seen it yet. They're good. Like I, when, when they first announced them, I was like, oh man, like Canadian manufacturer, they're probably going to need a couple of revisions before they get it good. Uh, but they didn't do it like that. They just took a lot of time and they did it right the first time. And yeah, I mean, like th that, there's some manufacturers that do that, that, that don't release until they like absolutely get it a hundred percent. Um, they're just really rare. Um, and I, I would say these, these guys got it, got it right the first time. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to be using those for, uh, for three gun. Cool. Leo. Uh, put up that video and then I'm packing up for maple seed. I'm going to, Head out to Lloyd Minster, Alberta, and uh, and go. Is that this weekend? Seed. That is this weekend, and then I have another oh. maple seed the weekend after. And by August, I think I have three of the four weekends, or more. Welcome to my life. Yeah, almost all <laughs> the weekends. Yeah, yeah, but and I'm. Uh, I'm to try to get some camping in there, and try to get some like, hey, I know you, you want to go to middle of nowhere alberta and, drum and holler maybe, maybe go camping or something like that <laughs> uh, i need to do a maple seed one of the days <laughs> the boys yeah. well the boys need to go back to the the tyrell museum so right every every year i guess every year you have to go back <laughs> go well, and... we're probably not going to go to the museum with uh with covid and that kind of thing but we will no, go to uh uh, we will go camping and go on the trails. Hey, the trails there are really nice did they try out the coal museum they liked it though. I liked it. Too. I don't know what happened with you. You guys took the crappy tour. We we took the better we, tour. We, we took the, the unmentionables. Man. Yeah. Yeah, no, it wasn't that great. We didn't even get to go in. We had like some old miner who like actually was a miner in that mine and had all these like stories about Holy uh, crap. ponies. Yeah, it was awesome. So you guys How old was he? Like 80 something. <laughs> And he was a tour. He was like directing the tour. He was awesome. Those are the best tours, though. Yeah, yeah. This guy yeah. was actually a coal. This is a real coal miner who was actually in this stupid little mine. Trevor. Not like, not like yeah. automation everywhere. It's like, no, this guy was probably this guy moved ponies in a mine. <laughs> this is some old timey shit. <laughs> Trevor was so upset. We had a millennial. You know, she was taking us around. It was the unmentionables. There was no really unmentionables about it at all. Mm. So it was kind of like he's gone. I want if to go in the mine. If there's no Roman sword at the bottom of this mine, if there's no treasure pit, <laughs> not interested. Not interested. <laughs> Who died? 
Yeah. Oh, that's boring. They re- yeah. they died for real. There's no mystery around this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So oh, I packed wow. up for Maple Seed. I think I might camp out there. I've got like a bunch of ultralight camping gear that I kind of want to like test out. Like I've mm-hmm. got a. Uh, a sleeping bag it's actually a quilt it's not a sleeping bag it just goes over the top because your sleeping pad is like a high r value like you don't need any bag underneath you you're just going to compress that anyways so it yeah. just goes over the top and it's uh it packs down into a pack this big and uh what else i got like some fancy uh i'm going to take like dried uh freeze-dried food and like rehydrate and boil and and do all that kind of stuff you do know that we we probably would pay for a room and a meal for you. And I'm right? driving my minivan and I could probably <laughs> just put an air mattress in the back of it because I have the oh. seats taken out. It is like as big of a, as a pickup truck. Okay. I could just put an air mattress in the back and sleep in there. That's true. But I want to test out my equipment. I want to test okay. out like my camping stuff, right. like eat, eat food out of a bag. And uh, it's like, a, you know what, after three years of that, it's no longer, you know, it, oh, the, I would, shine, the shine's worn off of that. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do this if, if I was like, if I was in the army or something like that, I was like, I do not want to go camping. <laughs> but uh, if you're in the, in the army, army. I, I, it's I, not I, camping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would not want to go camping if I was in the army. I would probably just be like, nope, hotel every time. Yeah, You'd be Vegas. in the Air Force yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anybody uh, listening who is Air Force, Tim, Tim, yeah, Crosno, mm-hmm. he's Air Force. Mm. Yeah. He likes but, uh, Yeah, I'm going to. You know, one thing I'd like to do, this is not gun related whatsoever, but I'm going to go on this uh, little rabbit hole. Um, okay. I really want to like figure out the mix of uh, Splenda, whitener, and instant coffee. I want to figure <gasps> out the mix and make like a baggie of that stuff and like just be able to scoop it out and be like hot water and there's my coffee all pre-mixed. I know you can get like the Nest Tea or the, uh, the Timmy's like pre-packaged stuff, but Yep. I would rather just run out of a baggie and just get like a spoonful because I don't like having waste. Of Why are you like, doing Splenda? Why aren't you just doing the creamer that's uh, sweetened? The powdered because creamer. Because most, cr- most of the creamer that's sweetened is sugar. Yeah. Oh, but. The Splenda okay. is not. So not. I don't want to take extra calories if I don't have to. Okay. I'm sitting well, around you're... typing on a computer most of the time. So I need like low calorie no, stuff. No, you're camping. You're roughing it. Remember? <laughs> okay yeah all right yeah Yeah. anyways that's uh that's all i'm up to i'm gonna go do a maple seed and drive the the battle van my my van is now a battle van like with those rear seats out that was like that was my ticket to treat it like a pickup truck and now i've got like all sorts of crap in there that's like i've got some t-post in there that's been in there like a month and it's gonna stay in there and that t-post is gonna be in that van whenever i need it and i just like toss stuff in you open up the back hatch of that thing and you just fire stuff in there doesn't matter yeah. how much you, it'll take it all it'll take it all you don't have to tetris nothing just throw it in there and it'll take it love it it's now the maple seed mobile 2.0 yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's like it's not nice like the car so my wife doesn't want to drive it so now it's just all my garbage <laughs> just goes in there and i just love it awesome <laughs> anyways um, enough about camping and fans <laughs> did you do anything in guns this week I did a bunch of stuff, actually. So on Saturday, I we went to the Kingston Skeet and Trap um, Association Club. It's one of the clubs I belong to here. The club pro, his name, his name is Andy Spooner. He is a provincial, national, and even shot worlds as well, skeet champion. And so he gave us some tips. Great tips, by the way. Uh, it was a 
four hour course. And what I took away from it was don't watch the end of your, your shotgun, which I do because I'm a rifle shooter. Watch the clays and make sure that you can see actually what's written on the clays. If you can do that, it means you're watching the clays and you're going to hit them. And the other thing he wants me to do is be aggressive. So actually go after the clays as opposed to waiting for the clays to come to me. So I hit a lot of them when I was doing that. And then it all fell apart when I went on my own on Wednesday. So <laughs> I didn't do anything that I was telling me on Wednesday, like Wednesdays are a normal trap day. I wasn't really paying attention to what he had said. And then I started thinking about it. And then I was able to hit them once I actually listened to what he had to say or remember what he had to say. So I had a much better time on Wednesday once I started hitting the, the clays. But anyways, the other thing I did on Saturday was after the training I went out to Kelly Kincaid's place we had a girls night because what we did in the next morning is we got up really really early and when then we went out to FRPC which is my other range that I belong to and we went out and had a hashtag my tribe uh, shoot that was with Tamara who is uh, one of the ladies that I shoot with so we went off to one of the ranges I was able to go and requalify on maple seed so I got my rifle and patch remember I was telling you my 1022 was running like crap and then I mm -hmm. stripped it last week well yeah it will did but it was still running like crap so I didn't know if I would even complete a MQT but I did first one I just threw it in the garbage basically because I had so many malfunctions, stove piping and everything. But by the time I was able to get some of that oil through, second one I requalified, it was actually pretty good. So my 1022 is back up and running. Did you score a 250 with it? No, hell no. I got a 229, no which one was... Knows. No one's seen the score. You can say whatever you want right now. 250 is a perfect score. Yeah. Right? Say that. Just, just... Yeah, I was I a, of course I got a 250. <laughs> I am one of the founding members of Maple Seed. You expect uh, less from me? <laughs> I was happy with the 229 with everything that was going on with my rifle, like seriously. And it was also 35 degrees. So I decided, you know what, we're going to put away the rifle a little bit because we also decided we were going to do some pistol shooting. What I did was I brought that. Remember I also told you that I picked up that Smith & Wesson? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yep. 22 pistol mm -hmm. so I brought that out because I hadn't shot it yet so we decided we were going to shoot some pistols we got that little puppy out and it's a really nice little target rifle good thing about it is that I had a we had a brand new shooter come out as well and she was shooting all the pistols but she picked up the uh, the victory and she thought it was fantastic we started her with it so like trying it out and it was perfect great little starter she said this is you know, there's no bang to it. It's heavy. I can, sh she was shooting right where she wanted to shoot. So it was perfect. It'll be great for ladies days. So I'm going to have to send my friend John a little thank you note about that. Uh, what else? Uh, I met up with, uh, so listener John, uh, Josh, who has been emailing, he's got a couple of emails for this week too, but he mm -hmm. is uh, somebody who's been emailing regularly, but he's also here in Kingston. So I went over and saw him and I bought another appliance. So that means that's two guns that I no longer can buy and I got a new fridge and stove. Anyways, so, um, but we've been texting, emailing, different things like that. He's got lots of questions about guns or deals and things like that. So it's nice to have, you know, somebody that's, you can check guns Plugged with. In. 
yeah, I don't know if they really, really are excited about us talking about it at his desk at, you know, FW Black, but hey, it is what it is. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, Josh, thanks for listening again. Give him a shout out. He gave me a really good deal on a stove. So, FW Black here in Kingston, go visit him. Go and say hi to Josh. And, okay. Uh, Gunny Girl Calendar, just to let you guys know that the deadline for submissions is uh, fast approaching. It's July 15th. So if you know of anybody who might like to be in the Gunny Girl Calendar, let me know. You can send me an email here at slamfireradio at gmail.com or you can actually send it out to kelly.wheaton at uh, firearmsrights.ca. have to be here in Kingston because we're going to be doing a photo shoot at the end of August, just to let you know. And yeah, that's about it. Skeet night on Wednesday. I love it. I got to shoot my rifle finally. Yay. And pistol shooting too. It was a really good 1022. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because all my ARs are verboten now. Yeah. And Sorry, you said it, rifle and I'm like, hmm, big. Not Speaking of 1022s, Maple Seed, buy one of those. Get one of those. It's your best option. Just letting you know. And if you want, we're going to talk about it next week. We're supposed to talk about mods. Mods to rifles. So why don't we talk about that next week? Mods How to 1022s mod out a 1022 because there are a few that mods that you need to circle, do the oval circle make it so you can pull the bolt oval auto circle? bolt the auto bolt mold mod. yes the auto bolt mod is the one that you have to do also the yeah. extended mag release also the buffer pins we got a whole bunch of different ones that you yeah, can do for they, they come with that little toggle thing like the the mag release on that is okay no, that little toggle thing. No, the, the push-in one, the one that's flush, the old-style one. Oh. That is a piece of crap. Holy, yeah. those are those are terrible. But like that, no. uh, the new ones come with a little lever on there, and that's like okay-ish. Yeah, but no, if you want it to be really good, here's the thing. We're talking about it already. Okay, so Matador Arms built one, and that is the best one on the market. But they don't have any stock. So go How's over that to last one. You go put that over on to the last. No, I already, I had, I, it came with my Timini trigger, the extended make. I, I don't need one, right? I ordered it for my dad, but no, oh, I, yeah. um, so I don't like it as much as the matter at our arms. The reason matter at our arms is more like a paddle and it's right in front of the trigger guard. So it's really pronounced and it's good and you're not going to hit it by mistake. Whereas the one that, whether it be Delask or Timini or whatever you got on there, it shapes around the trigger guard and you might hit it by mistake. Yeah. That one I don't like as much, but it's still better than what comes with your 1022. 1022 yeah. little fiddly one, and I don't just switch it out. Okay, now I've done. We're gonna talk about it again next week. All right, good. That's it. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've got a sponsor, new sponsor. Telus Alpha is a Canadian digital agency that works exclusively in the firearms vertical. They help with business processes, strategic planning, websites, e-commerce, and battling the stigma that carries at uh, the stigma the industry carries with banks, merchant processors, and social media. Learn more at telosalpha.com. Upcoming events. Uh, the first one we have here is the Tumblr Ridge Action Shooters. They're holding a three-gun, two-gun PCC match in Tumblr Ridge, BC on July 18th to 19th as part of the Mighty Peace Three-Gun League. Match fee is $80 for both days, $40 for a single day. Well, that's pretty cheap. Catered yeah. lunch provided both days with prizes. Woo! That's a good... <laughs> what would you pay for a, a, a round of golf? If you went to a charity golf tournament and you got lunch? Do you get the cart as well? Mm, they yeah, you have to get the cart. Okay, yeah. well... Yeah. Anyways, if you go yeah, to a, a golf, okay, golf match is typically about $125, $150 per person. 
a charity match would be like 300. A good charity match would be, would be expensive where you got prizes. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be up there. Yeah. Uh, $40 for a single day. And the prizes are probably good too. And you get food. Yeah. Food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you get to shoot guns. Mm -hmm. And you get better, prizes. Better use of uh, of nice wide open spaces. Yep. Yes. Then. No. Yep. Okay. Bolts, clip fed, and or lever guns. Welcome in the three gun division. Full details on MP3G Facebook page. Well, that's coming up soon here. Oh, yeah, it's not there. this weekend. It's next weekend. But I got a maple seed to do that day. I kick <laughs> all kinds of butt with this WK. I feel like because mm. a lot of people have ARs and they don't have like a another option. That they could bring hey, out. You know what? You should go and visit 3gun.ca and look at when all the matches are. I and haven't then updated it. I know. It sucks right now. <laughs> I was good. And then you can plan maple seeds around that. You can shoot. Everyone's like the schedules are fluid uh, at this point. Yeah. I know. The schedules are fluid. I'm finding that right now. Everybody's yeah. schedules are either fluid or they're not committing or they're. Also, what I'm seeing is members only, or I'm also seeing, eh, I don't know what we're going to do. No. Yeah. So. so all I'm doing is all I got. <sighs> my, my not fluid is maple seeds. So. Yeah. Well, no, I'm uh, seeing that in Ontario yeah. right now with booking them. Hmm. Chaz so, three again. Oh. They've got a match this weekend. Spots are still available. Sweet. It's be awesome. Uh, do you want to talk about CRPS and maple seed fundraiser? Okay, so CRPS, what they're doing right now is they're doing a, a fundraising coin. Crap, I didn't have it again this week. Wait, uh, I got one. I got one. Do you? Oh. Yeah. So it's fifty dollars for that coin. You go to the CRPS website. You'll just do an EMT or whatever. Give them fifty dollars, and then you will be entered in to win one of two rifles. So there's two rifles being offered, or rifle packages. So there's the Tesro.ca. They're offering a CZ475 long-range precision match-ready option. It's got all kinds of stuff in there. It comes with a case. It comes with cleaning, lube, stuff, everything. So you can win that, or there's the other option, or one that you can win. It's the Go Big Tactical. They got a Voodoo V22. It's the KRG Bravo trigger uh, tech build. So basically, it's one tricked out little 22. And yeah, you can win one of those two. So I've already got my. So here's the deal. The reality is both Adriel and I are winning these rifles. Nobody else is going to. So go and make your $50 donation, but we're going to run the rifles, right? My coin's yes. from last year. Oh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's the same coin, by the way. Um, yeah, so Adriel needs to go and buy one of those so that Adriel and I can win both of those rifles. Right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just I agree played, with you. Yeah, you should have played along. Okay, so the other <laughs> thing that I wanted to mention is, as of last night at about ten o'clock, the Project Maple Seed 2020 fundraiser it is officially sold out. So in less than a week, we've sold uh, 300 patches. The patches were for a PGW defense technology um, rifle, chambered in 308, the Coyote. Fantastic package. We are just uh, confirming everybody that did actually order slash purchase one of those. We're just uh, clearing everything up and dotting all our T's and I's and whatever, crossing whatever. And then we will... Crossing stuff. Yeah. So, and then we will have a live draw for the PGW Defense Technologies Coyote, which I really wanted to win, but I'm not really allowed to. So, yeah. Not allowed to? 
No, because I'm a director. Your money's just the same as everyone else's money, though. I know. Yeah. Mm. Okay. okay. Cool. Sold out. Sold out. Yay! But Thank you, CRPS everybody. isn't, so go do CRPS at rimfireprecision.ca. Yeah. News. Did you update these? Are these updated? I did. I oh. did. Yeah. There, like, I, I looked and I'm like, man, this list is long. Well, the other thing I saw is, is I saw an article that talked about um, the uh, um, CCFR having over $300,000 of legal fee money to put towards this that was just out of business or contributions. This, yeah. So where'd this come from? The article? Yeah. Uh, iPolitics. iPolitics had oh. that. Yeah. Uh, I, sh I you know what I'm I should do? Being I should put it in the news good. item. Well, why don't you put it in the news item? Do you want me to go through all of these so that you can put it in the news item yeah, and yeah, we yeah. Can discuss it? Okay. Mm -hmm. So here are some of the organizations, ranges, and federations that have donated to the CCFR Legal Fund. Lloydminster District Fish and Game Club, they donated uh, 1,500. Prince Rupert Rod and Gun, 1,000. Uh, AI Tactical Solutions. Now, what they're doing is they're taking 20% of their sales and they're donating to CCFR. That's really good. And amazing considering it's a business and are taking 20% times like these like that's one ridiculous that they can do that but two it's really awesome uh, the Micmac Rod and Gun Club is 500 Nose Hill Rod and Gun Club 2000 KS Arms Limited 900 Great Plains Shooters Association is two thousand dollars I'm gonna try this. Tamiskaming uh, Bullseye <laughs> Club is 1000 Saskatchewan what? Sorry? That was a good try. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like the, the thing that's supposed to say. Okay. The Saskatchewan Gun the Saskatchewan Gun Collectors is five thousand dollars. William Lake Sportsman Association is two and a half thousand. Antitugnish Marksman Association one thousand dollars. Foam Lake Wildlife Federation one thousand. Edson Game and Fishing Game Association is five thousand. That's pretty awesome. Thank you guys. Yeah. All right. And when you add it all up. IPolitics is an article. Uh, court, challenge. <laughs> court challenges over federal gun ban drums up legal costs as confrontation begins. Uh, and this is do, 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 a prominent gun lobby and longtime firearms importer challenging the liberal ban on 1,500 models of semi-automatic rifles has already mm -hmm. raised $300,000 for legal costs. Excellent. The reason we're going to need more than that. So just mm -hmm. let you know we're fighting. Hey. Yeah, so did you hear any more about the gun, uh, the anti-gun lobby being observers or whatever? Interviewers. Yeah, Cookie uh, What her name is, yeah, Cookie uh, has applied for intervener status, I think on two of the lawsuits. I'm not sure if she's got the third or fourth one. I think there's like five in play right now. So uh, she has applied for intervener status on two of them. Um, Do you know if that means that if she's got that status that she can be cross-examined? Uh, I believe that is the case, that she wants Sweet. to be like, she wants to get in there. What Really, an inter if, intervener if status. If it gets granted. Yeah, you, you apply if you think that the court, the case is going to affect your rights. Mm -hmm. um, I don't believe this is actually affecting her rights, but I believe that uh, from what Tracy was saying, she would be glad for uh, Wendy to come in because uh, yeah, it's a chance to uh, uh, debate and show her up. So and challenge. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know if she'll actually get that 
granted the court has to actually do that and i don't know what date they're looking at for that so mm. we'll give an update when it happens though so what mm -hmm. about the sandhill crane uh yeah we're gonna get a season in alberta here for sandhill crane hunting uh cool. this is a type of bird they hunt in the states um i believe they have them in the south of alberta and I might travel to go hunt these because they apparently taste delicious. <laughs> they are called the ribeye of the sky by a couple of <laughs> Ribeye of the sky? Have you ever had, you haven't had any? I've never had sandals. This is a meat that I haven't had. Oh. I have to have it. <laughs> I'm trying to collect them all. It's like Pokemon. Like whatever the, the, whatever's on earth, like I want to eat one of them. Okay. And Sandhill avoided me so far. It's been elusive, but mm -hmm. now... Mm -hmm. Not really elusive, but now there's a hunting season for it. So uh, I might have to go down to Calgary, maybe down to like Drumhill or find some find some Sandhill somewhere down there. Find a spot. I wonder if it tastes like hill. chicken. Ribeye. Ribeye of the sky. It's not going to taste like ribeye. Meaty. Meaty. Okay. Well, which is funny because like a lot of like ducks and geese and that kind of thing, like the meat is horrible. <laughs> like you would eat like this is disgusting. Like and the only way you can eat a lot of a lot of the, like the, those like the ranker meats is uh, jerky. It's like oh, it's jerky. Oh, it tastes great. That's because you just salt the crap out of it and uh, or and you, just cover it in ketchup. Or oh, <laughs> 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 Ooh, that's some sacrilege. <laughs> some people just like got really mad and they're driving around. They're <laughs> I don't do that with any. I don't put ketchup on anything. You put ketchup, a mix of ketchup, mayonnaise, and A1 steak sauce on it, and then you can eat it. It tastes fine. No. <laughs> if you have to do that, then you shouldn't be eating it, really. Probably. Yeah. Gross. You're not eating something that you like. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the other thing that, I, that uh, we have here in the news is that Bill Blair has directed yeah, CBSA yeah. to uh, seize AR-15 parts coming into the country, no matter if they're foreign AR-15 or not. Correct. That's what I heard as well. So even if you can take these parts and put them on something that's not an AR. Which uh, I think you can do for all AR parts. The only exactly. thing you can't, okay, upper and lower, fantastic. Yeah. Every other part goes on some other gun. Oh, you know what I heard? Hmm. I don't know who it was that actually posted this on Facebook. They were talking about one of the gunsmiths were coming across the border and he had some, some of his tools. They were seized because it had these are the things that it actually works on and AR-15 was listed. So they seized, seized his tools. Like that's stupid. Huh. That yeah. is interesting. Oh, I mean, even these, like uh, I saw this uh, confirmed by a couple of people on Reddit as Block well. Vice, but yeah. They, they had um, ordered some stuff from Brownells and it got stopped at the border and turned around. And it was like for a forehand and, and some other stuff. But like the thing is, a lot of those parts work on other things as well. But they have they yeah. like as far as CBSA is concerned, they're they're banned. They're blocking everything that goes on an AR fifteen right now, which is kind of par for the course. I don't know. Um, I don't know if you remember when they did the the gravity assisted knife thing. It's yeah. Like if you can take the knife and you can like flick it open. Flick it. Oh can't that ban those so the, so a lot of these uh folding knives got banned from from import by the cbsa i think Still the, can't same, get them in. Uh, the same big brains that run the CBA, cbsa are running the uh, uh cfo offices and cfp as well because the, the similar kind of thing right if they can squint sideways at it and ban something they will because they can 
Well, it's not CBSA that's doing it. It is actually public safety. So it comes from his office. Bill Blair. Yeah. Yeah. They're I just following. Put they're an edict out, it. but there's. I haven't seen a memo or something Why? like that. There should be a memo along with it that says, "Hey, we did this. Now ban these." But it's not in law. That's a thing. Like, can, no. Can, can the? Uh, I don't think Bill Blair could legally just ban stuff because he says it. There has to be law around that, right? You can't just ban the importation so... of things. Butler Creek, so those gravity-assisted blitz, there's no the law around Butler them. Butler Creek, I don't believe well, there hasn't Keep been a going. case around it. <laughs> nope, there's no law. Just yeah. hold on a second. Talk amongst mm -hmm. yourselves. Yes, I, so. will, uh, I will talk amongst myself. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, uh, long story short, Air 15 parts are not coming to the country, but thankfully we have some local uh, manufacturers, so uh, to hell with it. Screw them, yeah. man. I've also seen a lot of AR-15 parts being put on sale right now. Well, I think a lot, some people are stripping people their ARs. Get rid of. Well, I'm talking. They about probably want to make some money too, right? Like, if, yeah. If, like so, some guys, some guys have like between your average AR-15 owner probably has between two thousand and fifty thousand dollars of inventory in their house that is now locked up. So a way of freeing up some of that cash is. Strip the parts off. Strip and sell it and them. sell them. Yeah. 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 I know. So we've got, I, I'm, I'm assuming even our guest tonight has a lot of money locked in his, his safe. I know I do. And I know that you definitely do. So yeah, we all do. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, anyways. Yeah. Whatever. It's kind of like, I, I was kind of thinking about that when I was, um, I was uh, on Reddit actually. And a lot of people, like after the ban, posted like, "Oh, there's my gun. I couldn't even take it out." Like that's not an indicative sample size of Canada that 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 form, right? But there no. was a there was a disproportionate amount of people who had just bought a gun and never gotten to take it out. And I just wonder, there's, like, like yeah. of the of the owners of these guns, how many of them do they own? And uh, uh, well, how was the average value that was lost per owner of one of these firearms? Well, if they're looking at compensation, fair compensation, they're not going to get that value back to them. I do know that. Like, we can't afford that. Like, well, then again, we can't afford half the crap that's going on right now. And we'll just uh, and billions, more. whatever. We'll just money printer yeah. go burr and, you know, take care of it. <laughs> but that's not, that's besides the point. I don't want to sell my guns back to anybody. They're my guns and I'm paying for it. So anyway, but where was I going with this? I don't remember. Mm. There was a rabbit hole over here. You were heading in this direction. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know the path you were taking over that way. I don't though. know. It was really good too, but you didn't shiny. Okay, go. Mm. Uh, let's see here. Rangeview just got a new shipment of Model 64F. Uh, <gasps> these are Savage 22s. Hmm. So they've got some of those. Mm. Well, so remember last week we were talking about Grand Prairie? being shut down the outdoors mm -hmm. right they've decided that they're not going to contest that they're just going to do indoor shooting correct yeah right so that was the new news last week they got shut down this week they decided they weren't going to contest it they were just going to do indoor that's sad i hate yeah. people maybe they didn't have the money for for a court battle or maybe they just didn't think they were they were going to win i mean like a local county has some authority over the, 
business that goes on in their county yep. and uh, denying business licenses or finding excuses like creative excuses to do that is uh, something that they may do. So uh, and it is unfortunate. You know, one thing, um, totally off topic again, uh, jumping um, around. Um, I heard that Maple Ridge Armory is sending out some of their, they renamed their rifle, their straight pull AR replacement to the Renegade and they are sending out samples to retailers. So retailers are going to have a sample of these things in their store uh, shortly, shortly. Shortly? Shortly. Like, can you tell me? I believe they'd ship them. Timeline? Oh, okay. Yeah. So really shortly then. Yeah, so retailers are gonna have those things like Toot Sweet here and uh, yeah, that's kind of interesting because those um, Maybe a competition to some of the semi-auto rifles that we have. Like they're not great for a double tap because you got to take your hand off the forehand and rack it in between shots. Yeah. But uh, I want to get one in. I want to get one of the AR-10 ones because I want to run one in six-five Grandel. I want to make one of those for cool. shooting coyotes or something. I don't know. We'll figure something out. Cool. Okay. Uh, that's about all we have in new gun stuff. Why don't we head on to the main topic? Now for tonight, uh, last show, uh, Trevor and I were arguing a bit about traditional rifles versus uh, bullpups and uh, which, is, uh, which is better for competition, especially now that uh, ARs are banned and uh, we're only stuck with uh, lesser rifles, I guess you could say, for the traditional semi-autos. Uh, and I know someone who shoots Tavors a lot has gone through some Tavor training specifically and uh, very few people out there have. So I wanted to welcome to the show, Chad. Uh, Welcome on again. You've been on here before, right? Yeah, a couple times. Thanks for having me. Yeah, a couple times. But like in, in terms of Tavor, like you, uh, which course did you take again? It was uh, a lady from Israel, right? Yeah, so Zahal for uh, just one year there, as far as I know, was doing what they called the Tavor one-on-one -on -one course. Uh, and they'd fly over uh, Love Eve from, uh, she was IDF instructor for the Tavor, uh, and now is working for Zahal. Uh, and she put on that course uh, across uh, Canada, mostly Western Canada, a couple places, Ontario, and then down in the States. Um, they were going to come back, and the last I talked to uh, TV Press Press, it sounded like possibly there was an issue with either the Americans or the Canadians with the, the level of training we're receiving being too much like uh, militia-type training. Mm. So they've put that on hold for now. So, yeah, you can't even do that course anymore, which is too bad because it was a lot of fun. Interesting. And in terms of like the style of course it was, was it like a uh, tactical, was it, was it stuff that you could apply to competition? Uh, yeah. So um, it was definitely very much how they marketed it. And I, I know it's not the same, but they marketed it very much as this is the same training that uh, the conscripts and the IDF would get for the Tavor. Uh, it, Obviously, what you're going to get in a weekend in two days and, you know, five, six hundred rounds is not the same, but uh, the general principles, I believe, were the same. Uh, they ran us a lot, very similar to military. There was lots of running between positions back and forth. Uh, but as far as the, the firearms specifically, it was lots of weapons manipulation, um, accuracy, marksmanship, and they were encouraging speed on top of that. Um, and then just kind of kept building and growing off of that, adding stress into the equation too. So seeing how you could perform those manipulations, those drills, um, all that stuff while you're under stress. So uh, it's a pretty good course. I think it was about 20-ish guys when I was there. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, it was about 12 hours a day, two days in a row. It was, it was a good course. Uh, oh, that's quite a bit longer than I thought it was. So it was, it was a two-day course yeah. then? 
Yeah, it was a full weekend. I know the uh, the first day when I got back, I stopped at the hotel about seven o'clock after supper, just laid down on the bed for a second just to decide what I wanted to do and then woke up at 6.30 the next morning with my clothes still on, <laughs> on top of the blankets there. So she definitely worked us hard, that's for sure. Yeah, that sounds... So uh, what, what kind of, uh, specifically on the platform, so bullpups versus traditional, what kind of specific things did you have to learn to, to manipulate a bullpup and to use a bullpup effectively in that course? Um, uh, so much of it for them, the way that they train comes down to, to stance. I know Trevor in the, uh, the last uh, podcast there had mentioned, or maybe it was you, Adriel, I can't remember, mm -hmm. mentioned support with that. Um, the way that they build a platform and a foundation on the bullpup there's actually a ton of points of contact, but it's very different than a traditional rifle. A lot of it's coming from, from the wrists and from the armpit and just the way you're locking up your skeleton, which is very different than a traditional rifle. Um, and further to that, um, a lot of how they trained was distance uh, dictated the position. Um, so if you were shooting within 25 yards, you would stand one way versus 50 versus 100. Uh, and they would trade that up uh, specifically um, essentially it worked down to just stand and deliver, uh, kneeling and prone, but the way you got into those positions was all a little bit different than a traditional rifle as well. Interesting. Um, yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, one of the things I showed on the last show was like with a traditional rifle, you can kind of grab there and then grab onto wood or a barricade or something like that. And then that's, that's how you would, uh, that's, you would shoot like a, a long range on a, uh, on, for example, at Chaz, one of our long range stages, so you, you yeah. can do a lot of a lot a lot of long range stuff from standing without having to change your position if you just grab onto something. Exactly. Actually, what we found on the long range stage, I did run my Tavor at the last Chaz match, mm -hmm. um, and we didn't have anything crazy long range last month, but it was uh, I think everything was 150 or inside. But I did try to to brace against the barricade, and because it's so tight and in there and kind of up in your face took two shots, went, wait, this doesn't work, and then went down to a, a reverse kneel position and was able to engage that steel no problem, one for one. But, uh, you know, just that time getting in and out of that position was, that, that adds time too when you're on the clock. That's, uh, you know, probably two seconds if you're fast with it. Yeah. So. Now, you mentioned uh, uh, running that at a three-gun match. So you, you ran your Tavor at the last match. You typically run an AR though, right? Yeah, traditionally I run a, a lightweight 18-inch AR um, that, you know, it's, uh, I compete in the open division, so it's got all the bells and whistles, all the extra sights, all that kind of thing. Uh, obviously that's uh, pro hip and I can't use that anymore, so uh, the Tavor is what I had in my gun case there, short of going to PCC division, which I didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I ran it. Um, one thing I found right away, the Tavor... Um, on the front, it's got this little 45 degree rail. I don't know if you can see that right there. Yeah. Um, but I thought, oh, that's great. Like open, you know, my open gun has a 45 degree offset on it. I'll throw my scope on here. I'll throw my 45 up there and see what happens. Tried it for two seconds. And I don't know if you can see it there, but this is where the brass comes out. <laughs> and it bounces right yeah. inside your safety glasses. So uh, ended up competing in limited, let's just say that. Because it just wasn't going to work for me otherwise. Mm -hmm. Um, overall, it was, it was different. Uh, Functionality-wise, it didn't let me down. I didn't have any malfunctions. It's a rock-solid platform, but uh, definitely a lot of things I learned from running it in that match, that's for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, that, that I think that's the, the more interesting reason to have this discussion right now, because uh, before, are you going to go into three gun, get an AR. You can, you can get an AR for $600. It is functionally superior to the Tavor for the, for the competition of three gun. Absolutely. Uh, but then as soon as you start talking about, okay, well, there's no more ARs. And now the, your alternative for an AR is a WK-180C which is not the same as an AR. And right now I would say like so, some of the, uh, especially first versions of these things have some, uh, some definite parts breakage uh, issues. Um, so the build quality isn't as good as say like the Tavor and, 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 and that kind of thing, right? Yeah, so the Tavor, uh, what they told us at that course is one of the design requirements was that they could throw it off a two-story building onto asphalt and still have it work. <laughs> uh, they claim that it does. I haven't tried it with mine, but um, I don't think my rifle would take that. <laughs> so it is pretty robust. Um, that's one of the first things I noticed switching to it, though. You go from a, a lightweight build with carbon fiber and skeletonized uppers and everything over to Tavor, and I'll bet you that Tavor weighs twice what my uh, competition AR weighs. So, so that was a little different. Um, ergonomics is just a little different. The reloads. Um, this is the one thing Trevor talked about. I haven't seen the video he referenced with Chris Costa uh, running a Tavor, uh, what he claims is fast as an AR, at least with the 21, the TAR 21, um, that's your bolt release or your magazine release right there. Mm -hmm. So in order to, uh, you know, your traditional AR, you hit the button with your index finger, the magazine's dropping, you're grabbing one off your belt as the magazine's falling. Yep. This one, you're reaching up, you're pushing that, pulling the magazine out, then grabbing another one out of your belt and jamming it in there. So that's an extra movement right there, which, um, you know, that's going to slow you down no matter what versus the, the AR platform. The X95 does have an AR-ish bolt release on it. Mm -hmm. um, the one that I handled was brand new. It felt pretty stiff to me, but I feel like that would probably wear in over time. Um, so that issue maybe goes away a little bit. The other issue you'd get, and at Chaz I never had this issue, but at some ranges I've been to, with the magazine release, you can grab in your shoulder like that if you want. Um, but the way they trained it very much to a pistol is to get that up into your space and your workspace and do it that way, which as you'll notice, my, uh, my muzzle has cleared the berm there. Yeah. So again, at Chaz, not, uh, not an issue with RROs, but some ranges I've been at, that would be a disqualification right there. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, looking into the magwell is uh, is super important for something that you gotta get yeah. in there quick, right? With an AR, it's out in front of you, so it's not uh, it's not the same motion. Um, muscle memory wise, I've got enough on this that the charging up here that never really messed with me. Uh, that would be an adjustment, obviously, to anybody that's used to coming off an AR platform or even from the WK with it back here. It's a little different. That's kind of neither here nor there. A um, couple other weird ones I noticed. Well, one actually before I took it out even, uh, just to see uh, if I could make hits at long range, I took this out to my home range and 300 yards on eight inch steel. I was consistently able to hit that, but just comparing on paper, this is roughly a three MOA gun. Uh, my AR-15 was one and a half uh, with just shooting Norinco uh, surplus ammo. Yeah. So same ammo in both. This is definitely less accurate. Um, the other thing I noticed that surprised me, one thing I didn't think I'd get, uh, or, you know, didn't even cross my mind is picking this up out of dump sleds. 
So we run very wow. similar to the uh, MGM dump sleds. It's an angled 45 degree carpeted box. Uh, with my AR being 18 inch, or even when I'd run my 10 and a half inch, it wasn't so bad to reach in there. You could grab it. This is way down at the bottom. You practically had to touch your toes to get this thing out of the dump sled. And it doesn't really have anything at the back end that lends itself to, to handling it like an AR does with that stock. So grabbing this out of the dump was definitely a challenge that I hadn't expected. Some ROs will let you balance that on the dump sled, uh, your ARs, to get them up for an advantage. Um, this, with that design, there's really no way I could find to do that, which kind of made me think it's just going to fall and I'm going to get disqualified. Um, the one thing that really did come up here, and you touched on it the last, uh, the last podcast, was height over bore. Yeah. Um, I measured a few of my AR and AR style platforms, and they're all pretty consistently 2.6 to 2.75 inch height over bore. Mm -hmm. um, this thing is 3.8. Uh, that's with the Mepro 21 on it. That's the optic that the uh, IDF uses as well. Um, we didn't use the VTAX at this last match, and I think that was a choice on purpose, talking to the, the match directors, just because we had so many different new guns out there that why add chaos to that? Yeah. Um, I do have a VTAC at home. I've wanted to run a Terra, the, the Tefor in competition for years just because I really like the platform. And I've drilled on that VTAC and, you know, tried to see if I can get my speed up, get it fast. The ones that are cut like mail slots, it's just about impossible. You're, you're either getting partial target views, uh, which with the red dot, you can sometimes work around. Mm -hmm. um, that or you're perforating your VTAC with your muzzle. Uh, <laughs> I just, I haven't found a good way to do it. Prone through the bottom ports, you've pretty much got to go to urban prone. The height overbore is too much to see through that plywood. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got ejection issues where it's ejecting right onto your bare arm or right into the dirt and bouncing back in to the ejection port. Um, like I said, we didn't have a VTAC at this last match, but we did have a few targets that were paper targets, five to seven yards, something mm -hmm. like that, and stacked one above the next. Oh. And I know there's a couple I came up against, and, and my traditional hold with an AR at that range is I just aim for the part in their hair, and usually you'll get them right in the middle of that head box. Did the same thing, and I was getting the target below it. Holy cow. <laughs> Bring it up a couple inches, hammer it again, go, oh, it's almost there, but ended up giving myself four no shoots doing that. Oh, oh man. Just the Kentucky windage. Oh, boy. Just something you can work around, but uh, holding a whole head box high above a, a five or six yard target is definitely That's hard. Like that. you would That's need... just with a 50 yard zero on this. I mean, it's nothing crazy for my zero. Yeah. With a red dot, like, there's not even a reference point to to use to because you're aiming here but your bullets are hitting like down here somewhere right yeah, there's not even a yeah. reference point in the in the optic that you could use like i i just eyeball it with an ar and i go i don't know like two inches and and wheel away and, and it's good to go but like five is, is is hard to estimate for i guess you could still do it it's just not really as precise yeah, it's uh, mainly it's just a big adjustment, right? Like you could figure out that height over bore. You could do all the math, put it through, you know, those little fancy charts and Strelock that show you all that stuff. But uh, if you a had lot a of scope it, I guess, uh, with holdovers, then maybe that you'd would have work. a holdover yeah. that you, you could use. Yeah, I had thought about putting optics on this, but uh, this one was zeroed, and my other ones, and just didn't feel like going to all that effort for 
for the way I like to run this at yeah. home. So, um, yeah, other than that, I mean, it's pretty good. Like it was reliable, but if, you know, if we're talking seconds on the clock, this is, I'd hate to even put time to it going from an open gun to limited, but it was definitely slower. I noticed that mm -hmm. um, even with the triggers there, this is a stock trigger. I've never found that to affect my accuracy uh, to get the lightning bow and the, the upgraded Geisley trigger. I'm looking at, can't remember last time I looked, it was close to a thousand dollars for both those pieces and yeah. still not great on the ones I felt. So you compare that to, you know, a two or $300 trigger in my AR that's got no travel and no poundage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's no comparison. So your splits yeah. on your double taps and stuff are a little slower too, for sure. Yeah. Chad, what about remedial? What happens if you get a jam or anything like that? How much longer is it going to take you to clear that compared to your AR? Um, it's definitely going to be uh, slower. Um, the left-handed charging up here, like that's nice. It's right where you need it. You don't have to reach up by your face yeah, like that. scope or anything like that. That's really good. What I don't like um, is this bolt is closed right now, but your bolt hold open is at the bottom here and you have to pull it out okay. to get it. So just that manipulation, holding it with your left hand up into here to pop that out, um, that's an awkward movement no matter how you spin it. Um, on the reload, it's very nice because that magazine comes in and you bump that with your thumb uh, and it closes it. But if you've got a double feed or something like that, that's, that's gonna what cause I was wondering. problems having that right there accidentally manipulating your bolt. For an AR, I run uh, a bad lever. Um, and you know, for that to lock your bolt open, it's just a flick of the finger. It's all right in your face. You can see that yeah. port. That's the other thing back to having this over the berm, you know, uh, with that training, it was very much observe the chamber was the first thing what's going on. But to get your face in there, like this is going some pretty, pretty crazy directions again, up and over the berm. Not Again, depending on your RO, not maybe a huge deal, but uh, it's, yeah, other than that, like I said, it didn't jam on me. I didn't have any issues there. Uh, I ran it dry once, uh, but with the way that that bolt release works on inserting the mag there, wasn't a problem, didn't slow me down. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, I, I don't see a way around that even with training, how holding yeah. that out there to pull that magazine release or that bolt release out. Well, I mean, like the, your, your alternatives, fast. your alternatives aren't even that much better. Like, okay, how do I hold the bolt open on this thing? Well, mm. um, if I don't, if I didn't have this guy here, uh, I would have to pull it back and then put my finger up in the mag well and then let it go. Now, if there's a mag in there and I have a double feed, this is actually pretty painful to, uh, to fix. Uh, again, without that, uh, without that lever, since I've got that lever, I can just push it in and it'll, it'll lock it open like that. Yeah. Um, and then if I do run this thing dry, my, re my reload is mag in and hit this thing and then, and then go forward with it. Right. Yeah. Not great, but it's still, it's still quick enough because that, you know, uh, jamming a mag in and then racking this bolt is not that bad. Yeah. Uh, for the remedials faster. with the, uh, you know, the training from that Tavor course, uh, essentially three out of the four just boiled down to drop the mag, rack it a whole bunch of times and put it back in and see what happens. So 
<laughs> which the, the thing to keep yep. in mind, you know, uh, any of the reloads and stuff we did during that training, it was very, you know, towards the tactical end of things, take a knee, get behind cover. Um, but when you keep it, this was designed to be a, a squad issued weapon, right? So reloads or remedials or any of that kind of stuff, if you're undercover and someone else is there, you know, watching out for you, it, it's not a big deal. Um, for something like competition, unfortunately, it's not a squad based activity. As fun as that might be, but uh, <laughs> well, you've got a break on there. How how are your uh, double taps and your uh, you know your your fast shots with it? Um, I had a birdcage on it before that. That's what it came with. Mm -hmm. um, and really, the way that this sits when you've got it fully supported, it's so stable that it doesn't like. I, I never found muzzle rise to be an issue at mm -hmm. all. Um, this one does have the. Uh, bipod on it there which of course I couldn't use in competition in limited um, but just shooting it off a bench kind of with free recoil this break did make a difference uh, there like you get a little hop out of it but but nothing significant it's a fairly heavy rifle and all the weights towards the back anyways so yeah especially with the loaded mag in it yeah exactly so um, mainly I had the break kicking around so I threw it on there to to make sure that the RO was having a good time too <laughs> How is it for transitions for, for moving from target to target? Uh, it, it's good, actually. I went out um, before everything was banned, uh, and I was playing with this, uh, with a VZ-58. Mm -hmm. um, I've got uh, an SLR done up with a DMR setup, quite heavy, and then a modern sporter done up quite light, and then my AR, and I was doing one to five drills. And believe it or not, this was the fastest out of all of them. Interesting. Um, and okay. it was mid-pack, and I kind of did it a few times uh, and consistently, this was the fastest on a one to five drill for me. Um, yeah, well, it, it's very interesting because because it's like all the weight's very close to your body. Like mm -hmm. you're you you can swing it faster than you can something that's got a barrel like hanging way out there that you're moving, and there's all that mass out there that you're moving yeah, around. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, you know, with my longer barreled rifles, I like a, a long handguard on them too, and I do keep that. Uh, I think they call it the Costa clamp way out there in front to drive that rifle. But you know, this is definitely, uh, it's quicker to swing for sure. Yeah. Just cause it's so nice and close. Yeah. yeah. Did you yeah. find that at any of the stages that you weren't able to fit your, your rifle into any of the openings? Uh, yeah. On our 25 yard stage, a lot of the rifle had to be engaged. You could do it through two windows, I think is how they designed it mm -hmm. uh, through two different barricades. Or if you kind of got your torso through one of the windows, you can engage all of the, uh, the rifle targets there. <laughs> um, with this short little thing, it was definitely, I, I got through that window, but mm -hmm. I felt a bit like Winnie the Pooh there getting stuck in it. <laughs> <laughs> getting in and out was, uh, was a bit of a challenge for sure. So Interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, an advantage to a, to a bullpup is if there was like a tight hallway that you had to move yeah. through, that's better than swinging around this yeah. enormous thing that, uh, uh, you know, that's got an 18 and a half inch barrel and big stock and you've got a nice compact rifle there. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. We got a question from, uh, from William Sanders, Saunders. He's asking about the X95, what's everybody's opinion on that? Um, so like I said, I tried one out at the shooting range. Uh, it does have the, the mag release in the same spot as uh, an AR-15, mm -hmm. which uh, I see maybe as an advantage, uh, at least from that the reload slowing you down point of view. Mm -hmm. 
what uh, I guess ultimately it came down to the same opinion I have about my shadow one versus the shadow two is I go, yeah, I like it. I see some advantages, but uh, I couldn't be inclined to spend the money to swap. You know, if I yeah. was going straight yeah. from not having this 21 and looking would I get the 21 or the 95, I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, you might lean towards the 25. Interestingly enough, uh, in that training with the, the TAR 21, they said the X95 never really made it. Uh, it was more an answer to the civilian market with guys saying this isn't an AR-15. Okay. So they kind of AR-15'd it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, though. It, it seemed fine, uh, the one that I used. Just I, I couldn't see the point to, to sell this and upgrade or to, to spend the cash to buy another one again. Yeah, interesting. Well, I mean, I think it's it's going to be relevant because people like today, uh, if, if you were to get into three gun, you're looking at a WK 180 and ACR on yeah. the used market. Very expensive, mm -hmm. though. You're going to spend like three grand plus plus on those. Um, I don't know if I if well, of, of the WKs. There's, I guess there's a WK 180 and the WS 180 MCR, yeah. the Wolverine supplies ones that uh, uh, use steel inserts on them. So maybe those would be more reliable. I, I don't know. I haven't, uh, haven't played around with one of those yet, but um, I've heard good things. Um, or you go to a bullpup because on the bullpups, there's a couple of options. There's a Tavor, there's the X95, yeah. there's the RDB. There's uh, there's another one that I'm forgetting. Oh, the T97, but like beyond horrible ergonomics, like it's got those in spades. <laughs> At least the Tavor has got a couple of nice things like that bolt hold open, bolt bolt release. Even the mag release is better than the uh, the T97. But it does cost quite a bit more. Yeah. 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 Well, and the other thing I think with any of them right now is you'll just be uh, lucky to find any of them. Uh, I know just looking for Tavors right now, they're they're kind of unobtainium at the moment. Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. At least with just... the WKAs, they're still making them in country, so we're not dealing with uh, you know, yeah. PSA. And, mm. Yeah. 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 All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I guess with the, with the Type 97s have, a, or sorry, the um, Tavors, there is an aftermarket there though, right? You can get triggers, you can get four ends. Like I saw, yeah. you had a different four end on, theirs, on, on there for yours. Uh, you can get some stuff with them. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Any other thoughts on the, on the bullpup versus uh, traditional? Like if, if you were buying a, a rifle for three-gun competition today, which one would you get? Oh, today... Well, I had the WK-180C. Uh, it was mm -hmm. part of the pre-orders. Uh, it showed up at my house, and I took it out of the box, and I dry-fired it once and said, I don't like the trigger. I don't <laughs> like the balance. Mm -hmm. I put it back in the box, and I sold it on CGN. Um, all that said, you know, <laughs> that was easy to say when you had a couple non-restricted black rifles in the safe that you could use and a few ARs. Mm -hmm. Now I wish I hadn't sold that WK-180C um, because I could have put a better trigger in it. Yeah, uh, the balance still wouldn't have been great, but I mean, comparing it to a bullpup, that's got weird balance to it too. Mm -hmm. um, I, I probably would run. Well, reliability aside, the one K, the the one eighty, um, and, and some of them have seen good, and hopefully they're getting better. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think just based on the muscle memory and everything else that I've built over the years running an AR in uh, in three gun. I would run that 180, especially being in the open division, because its ergos are essentially identical to my shotgun uh, that yeah. I used to use. So now yeah, that's you also, so, okay. also uh, had to change. <laughs> yeah. I have to, I have to ask, what are you running for a shotgun now? Because what were you using before the so Stereo or 
uh, Typhoon. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. The, the threaded big break, the, the big pump action mags, all of that. Yep. Couple optics. Uh, I was TAC Ops for a few seasons before I went into open. So I had a Versamax actually too, sitting and ready. So went out to the shop quite a few nights and remembered why I hate uh, quad loading and got myself re-familiarized with that. Um, and actually, I mean, I, I yard sailed quite a bit on the clock, but I was able to keep it fed. Um, I've always liked tube gun. It's just when everybody's running uh, pump action mags in an open gun, you, you've got to go to that open gun to stay competitive. Right. So, but now everybody's going back to the tube fod. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'd look at that. There was a guy at the match that had a 12-gauge bullpup. It seemed okay. Um, I'd thought about that, but actually I do have an AS46 in the safe, so I might try and run that for a few matches too. Very similar to that WK. When I got it out of the back box, I went, this thing's like plastic and terrible. <laughs> and I don't like it at all. But, um, you know, it came with three mags. So that's why I bought it. Um, now I might be running it because that might be the best option. I wonder. It's got to be faster. It's got to be faster to run a pump with 10 round mags versus a semi with. Yeah, well, I've got tube, some right? some 15 and 22 round mags for that pump oh, yeah. as well, and it's yeah. uh, it's a spring loaded pump, so um, you know you can cycle it pretty fast. Mm. It just uh, it felt real junky. It still feels real junky. But, yeah. Uh, well, I you could get like, out like a a bore brush with some copper scrub and like scrub the bore out to make it cycle a little bit nicer and not not hold the shells yeah. in. I know some of the turk guns like they have burrs in the chamber. So if you yeah. polish the chamber out, they, uh, they, they work a bit nicer and they just run a crap ton of ammo through it, I guess. Yeah. I was thinking about that and maybe putting it on my lathe and uh, threading it up for a break there. Throw a break from the typhoon. On it. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I noticed going back to the, uh, the Versamax. I have like a, a pallet of ounce and an eighth handicap, uh, Kent sport loads. Mm -hmm. And that typhoon just doesn't kick, especially with that break. Run it through that Versamax. Oh, right. Shotguns actually <laughs> kick. This is, I got to hold on to this thing here. I want to shoot faster and flatter. Yeah. What's going on here? Why is it yeah, kicking up? It uh, surprised me a little. But, and I forgot I had plus P ammo for my pistol that uh, doesn't have a comp on it anymore. So <laughs> that surprised me a little bit too, but uh, still fun. Mm. Oh, and you would have like knocked the steel over with authority. Hit it low, it doesn't matter. It's going over. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we have somebody else who's asking about the Spectre. What are your thoughts on that? The uh, Spectre is that bullpup shotgun. Bullpup shotgun. Yeah. Oh, uh, actually, so the one that uh, Spectre Ballistics had it there at the match running it, I think his was a range or something. It's a real cheap one. The They're trigger the same. on it They're... is it the same one? The trigger yeah. on it was surprisingly good. Mm. Um, I was quite impressed. It had a good reset. It wasn't crazy heavy to pull. Um, it was a plastic clamshell shotgun, um, but based on the price on uh, that one in particular, I don't think you can go too far wrong. I don't think you can expect a whole bunch out of it based on the price. But uh, he was on the same squad as me, and it seemed to run pretty good uh, all match long. I don't. I don't recall any significant uh, catastrophes or failures that he had with it. Interesting. Yeah, the, um, the Spectre has an aluminum forend that the back part's plastic, but the front, the front forend piece mm. is aluminum. Um, there's like small differences between those shotguns. They all use the same operating action. Like, yeah, there must be one Turkish company that makes like all the actions for those things. And then 
sells them to those to the rest of the guys to put whatever other parts they want on them. Yeah, it's it seems totally serviceable. I, I wouldn't have any issue buying one. I don't think if I was looking to get into the game. Honestly, I was a good deal on the Duria MK12 uh, match edition just before that match on Gunpost, and I just about bought it. But wow, <laughs> do I want to spend twelve hundred dollars on something that might get prohibited? And what do you know? Three days later, it was so. Mm. I think the Mark Ten is still safe. Is the Mark Ten still all right? Yeah, I've got yeah, I, I've is. got a Mark Ten in the safe, and that's actually what I tried. And that thing is so unreliable that. Mm. If I spend some time on it, maybe I get it to run, but uh, I ran probably three boxes through at Ibrass and it was still just, wasn't in a position I wanted to compete with it. Let's put it that way. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's always a possibility, but yeah, I guess a little bit more work. Awesome. Any other thoughts on the bullpup versus traditional, I guess? Um. No, not really. Uh, I guess, you know, I, I still put a ton of time on mine. Like I said, I had the modern store. I had the SLR. Uh, I live on a farm. So any of those 223 non-restricted black rifles is kind of my go-to platform for coyotes. And mm -hmm. the Tavor is generally still my go-to um, okay. just because of the compact nature, um, the way that it sits on a sling. If I'm going out, you know, with, uh, you know, the quads or, or whatever I'm using. Um, it, it's still, you know, if we're looking at sheer body count of coyotes, then the Tavar, the Tavar is, it's heads and tails above my other options. <laughs> heads and tails and paws above the, yeah. above the competition. Um, well, so I can I, see it like getting it into a truck or something like that or slinging a bullpup rifle is so it's nice. It's so good, yeah. It doesn't it's, go it's above your head, good. so you don't smoke like uh, doorways as you're going through. Like it just sits there so nicely. Yeah. So it, it's definitely my go-to. Those other platforms are all great too, and I really enjoy them. Um, it might just come down to time behind each platform, but, uh, you know, I'm going to keep competing with the Tavor. I'm, I'm not going to buy a WK or, or anything else like that. So um, I might have to spend some more time on those VTACs if they come back and try to figure <laughs> that out. But, but yeah, it's, I haven't given up yet. It's, uh, it's slower than my AR, but I still really enjoy it. Yeah, well, I think if, if enough people bring bullpups, they might have to just widen the holes on the VTAC or something like that because yeah. it's unusable with a, uh, with a gun like that. It's, just, it's, it's a self-correcting problem. Those holes will widen themselves if they don't. <laughs> <laughs> true fact, true fact. Well, I wanted to uh, thank you again for coming on and kind of giving us a, a little bit of insight firsthand uh, using bullpups versus traditional semi-auto rifles. And uh, uh, yeah, th thanks again for coming on and, and letting us know about that. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks again to, to Chad for coming on and letting us know about uh, bullpups uh, versus traditional rifles and uh, why I was right in saying that the traditional rifles are better than bullpups. I think that's what he said, right? Mm -hmm. he, was he was saying some like training with training. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the bullpups would be okay. I, it just, I didn't hear that part though. I just heard they're better. <laughs> <laughs> specifically yeah. for competition yeah and this whole subject came up because you guys you being adriel and trevor were arguing uh -huh. about this last week yes. and they we're talking yeah. about trevor so whether it be training over here if that's going to make it better or just picking it up and just shooting up obviously training helps are you uh, pouring are you pouring both. more of that dollar store whiskey into that wine glass <laughs> That'd be yeah. yes. Okay. That would be, be a hard yes. Yeah. Affirmative. <laughs>
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> any feedback on Facebook? Uh, Maple seed no. events for Ontario. Greg yes. wants to know. Greg, they will be happening. But uh, right now we're just getting feedback from all the ranges that we put it, put stuff out to. So probably within the next day or two, we will have things up. And our IITs, hold tight. I'll be posting the events there too, so you guys can sign up for them. So, yeah. yay. I, I, so a lot of people are asking about maple seeds and like, are maple seeds happening? Are you gonna do some in this province? And the answer is probably yes. It's just, we're working with we're, some ranges and yeah. uh, they'll be posted soon. Like we are, we posted two publicly for Alberta because we needed spots yeah. and Chaz sold out pretty quick. Um, and uh, actually all the events that Chaz sold out now for maple seed. So uh, Alberta is- add another one? Yes. So Alberta is kind of a different province compared to some of the other provinces that we've been working with uh, in Ontario. Some of the responses that I've been getting as well. Yeah, but we're kind of only members right now. Yeah, I don't know if we're like we have like we had events scheduled for certain dates and they're going no hard stop. We're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to reshuffle the deck basically and see if we can get to some other places. There's some stuff that's coming up though. So working hard, you guys will be the first to know kind of, yeah. well, actually probably the IITs will be the first to know and then the public. Yay. Yeah. yeah. But they're coming up and uh, yeah, we've got like 10 events in Alberta here and uh, a bunch everywhere else. It's going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to get rained on on Sunday. I was just looking at the weather while you were talking about what you, what you think guns there. And uh, it's it's definitely a thunderstorm, 60% chance of rain. So, woo! <laughs> Maple seed weather. I like That's it. Awesome. I'm going to bring my yellow ducky uh, uh, jacket. And, I want uh, pictures. <laughs> we need, what we need here is we need ice. So I should get my get those scheduled because we haven't had rain in a while yeah you said 35 is i don't think it's cracked 25 here all year so it's been we've had a solid two weeks of 35 ish weather and it's supposed to this weekend's supposed to be the same thing and hmm. thunder showers and or it's thunderstorms so my grass is crunchy i don't have to mow it though so i'm always looking at the positive side i don't have 30 for at least the next two weeks. I'm looking at the yeah. 14 day, it's all on 24. Yeah, nice. Okay. Nice, like doing a maple seed in cold weather, like I, th I, I would rather have cold weather than like 35, because 35, like my brain melts. I, I just can't, like I drink all the water I can, end of the day, I'm just like slurring and just like, I'm just not there anymore. It's, it's just a difference with heat, just takes it out of me compared to the cold. Yeah, and what we see is people when they're shooting that that happens. Their their brain goes to mush by the time the um, yeah. afternoon runs around as well. Yeah. So yeah. throw some water into you, get some food into you. Yeah, that's why we we like to bring rain. We order it when we have our events. It cools you off. It, it does. People are liquid cooled. This is external cooling coming down free. <laughs> it's extra service. <laughs> I was thinking about do I was thinking about uh, offering us up as fundraisers. So we will come to your drought stricken town, province, whatever. Mm -hmm. and if you do make a donation project maple seed and we'll pretty much guarantee get got rain. A, so. Got a dust bowl going on. We'll go do a weekend <laughs> shoot there. Taken care of. Taken yeah. care of. <laughs> Okay. All right. Listener feedback. Listener feedback is sponsored by Armory DC Gunsmith. Armory DC Gunsmith is a full service gunsmith who specializes in firearms refinishing. He offers hot bluing, parkerizing, Cerakote, cold bluing, 
rust bluing, all kinds of bluing, as well as wood refinishing. Check out his online inventory of new and used guns, firearms, accessories, optics, and more at bcgunsmith.ca. Yay! Uh, I'll read this one, first one from Josh because he's probably talking about you. Uh, from okay. Josh, if, if this is the same Josh, I don't know. Yeah, it is the same Josh. Okay. Yep. I just had to share this as I was impressed by this customer service. I will be telling everyone about this one. I recently purchased a Ruger PC9 rifle. I also purchased a muzzle brake from a retailer made by M Carbo. Followed all the instructions online exactly. There's a crush washer that goes on before the muzzle brake. I wrap the muzzle brake in masking tape, use a 316 wrench as instructed. As I was tightening and before the crushing was even close to crushed, the muzzle brake jumped the threads. I contacted the dealer, Bullseye London, that sold me the M Carbo as I thought it was the brake that was stripped. They were amazing and shipped me a new one. I would have uh, bought from my local dealer, but they didn't have any stock. I installed that one and the same thing happened, but this time it was just from hand tightening. I had very little pressure applied when it, when it happened initially. I was shocked that the threads could let go so easily. I emailed Ruger, who directed me to the Canadian Warranty Centre in Quebec. They asked me to ship the firearm to inspect it. They had never seen this happen before. They asked that I send pictures first so that they could see uh, if it was essential. I send them the firearm. Life got in the way, and I didn't send the pictures for a week. Then, out of the blue, I received another email from Ruger saying, Hey, we've re uh, reviewed your messages, and as a gesture of goodwill, will order a replacement forend and barrel assembly. The forend and barrel assembly will be marked for your attention and sent to our uh, Canadian Repair Centre. Uh, location snapshots, who will forward it on to you? The Repair Centre has the necessary import-export licenses for this transaction. Uh, delivery should say, take two or three weeks. I couldn't believe it. I thought I would have to pay to have the barrel re-threaded. That yeah. is customer service. I am a ruder guy for life. Anyways, pass this on as this type of service is hard to find anymore. Well done, Ruger, Bullseye London, and Snapshots. Well done, Josh. Yeah, that's awesome. Ruger is like good quality stuff. Like their stuff yeah, is, is. Uh, sometimes a little bit weird, sometimes a little bit out of the box, but like their their quality and their customer service is generally pretty pretty good. Right. Bullseye London are awesome too. Just mm -hmm. have to say. Some uh, of my want, favorite people. Yeah. Do you want to take yeah. email too? Yeah, it's a really short one. So sure. Hi again. Uh, have you guys heard anything about a pending ammunition shortage or drastic price increase, especially 223, 9mm, and 22? The U.S. podcasts seem to indicate that this is happening or is going to happen. Just wondering what your thoughts are. I mean, it yeah. already happened. It's yeah, it has. The, the Canadian dollar took a crap uh, three months ago, and uh, the, pr the prices have increased since then. So previously, yeah. we would say uh, there was deals of 223 where you could get it for 399 per thousand. Yeah, uh, those are gone. I'm not gonna well, get like that anymore. The, some of the retailers here in Canada, some of them are offering some two two three uh, for just three ninety nine per thousand. No, not the lowest I saw. Like the be absolute best price I saw was uh, three seventy nine with like a twenty dollar uh, mail in rebate. Yeah, 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 that was the best I saw, and mm -hmm. I think that um, those like we're not going to see that for a while here. 22 is getting expensive, just letting you know. Mm. I still see a bunch of that stuff for like fairly good price. Mm. It just depends where you get it from because some people have like old stock, right? Yeah. If I look at 556, 499, uh, 539, 459, 
459 is the best price I see right now. So it's up a little bit. That's not actually not that bad. And that, uh, that nine millimeter stuff that I got, that federal aluminum case stuff. Yeah, what do you think of that? It's fine. I ran yeah. in my shadow the other weekend cool. and it was, uh, it, it ran just fine. Okay. And it is, uh, what did I say I paid for that? 399 for 2000 Yep. Something like that. 200 yeah. bucks per thousand runs fine. Before the uh, price increase, I could get it for three seventy nine for two thousand. Now it's three ninety nine, or it was. I don't know what it's what it's going for right now, but yeah, yeah. Just watch for watch for deals. They they still are coming in, and uh, know your typical ammo prices so that when you see a deal, you can jump on it and uh, and get a bunch of it. Or reload. Ugh. Components are getting expensive too. Yeah, and it's I don't know. I just. I don't see the point in, in putting the time in unless you're running like a competition like Ipsic or something like that, where you need to hit a particular power factor yeah. and uh, anything above that is, uh, is detrimental to your performance. Mm-hmm. I just run the factory stuff. It's just too cheap. Yeah. All right. Doug says that I've been to four Maple Seed events in Saskatchewan and Alberta and all of them have had rain. So as <laughs> you're due for rain in Lloydminster. <laughs> That Drumheller one had just a little bit. That one didn't have a lot of rain, did it? I don't remember a lot of rain. It was yeah, muddy, though. It was muddy. Yeah. yeah. It did fun. have a little bit of rain. It wasn't pouring. It poured the day before. Okay. We've been getting so much rain here in Alberta that um, our three-gun match, they, they, they couldn't use the 25-meter because it's just like a slough. Swamp? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, too swampy. Swampy. Uh, if you'd like to send an email to the show, send your email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Patreon supporters, uh, if you'd like to help support the show, head on over to pat- patreon.com forward slash slamfireradio and support us there. It helps to uh, pay for bandwidth and have a website up and then whatnot. Uh, and we will send you out a patch and sticker. If you haven't received a patch or sticker, email the show and be like, yo, Adriel, what's going on? And I'll put it in the mail. Or Make sure you include your address. Yeah, if you would love a lovely T-shirt, just let us know, and we will be happy to mail you out one, right, Adriel? Ah, oh, but I gotta like that shipping on that is expensive. Like I, okay. I can I can take the patch and the and the sticker and and cheat and put them inside a regular envelope and be like, this fits totally in the mail slot, and it doesn't. And I just put it in the mail, and it works every time. So I don't care about that one. It's like a buck to mail, but the other T-shirt's like fifteen bucks to mail. Uh, or if you're living in Kingston, I can deliver you one. Yes. If you're in the area, definitely, definitely, we'll give you T-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, I'm going to Lloyd. I have to make a. I have to get a T-shirt to Lloyd. Yeah, you do. Yes, I'm going to message that person and see if I can't like drop it off their house or something. Put it in between the screen door and the. It's not going to be there. Huh? I know they're not going to be there. I don't care. Their house is going to be there. (laughs) I will put a. I will put a T-shirt in their backyard. It's going to rain on it. Whatever. Delivered. (laughs) I'm going to be like the Amazon person. <laughs> Put it in a nice box right on the front doorstep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, shout outs. Kelly? I do have one. I want to give a shout out to Kelly Kincaid for hosting on sun- Saturday night and all the ladies I went shooting with on Sunday. Fantastic time. Yay. It was lots of fun. Yay. Yay. Shooting with friends. So yeah. I That's it. More of that. Yeah. You got, you got any? Uh, yeah, Chad for coming on with like, oh, yeah. pretty short notice and uh, telling us about his uh, bullpup versus traditional layout rifle kind of uh, thoughts there. 
I'd still like to see what happens if you, you know, injection issues or double feed or whatever, something just catastrophic happens and how long it takes. So like the thing is like you'd be comparing it to a WK and I think it would yeah. be just as bad because you think to, so? to lock, to lock the bolt back on this thing is kind of hard. Um, if you had a double feed, it's easier if you've got this little doohickey on the side, but if you don't, you're just as screwed. One of the problems with a double feed is that the mag gets stuck in there too, because the second round goes out and it doesn't want to like come out. So the thing to do is you rack it to the back and lock it open. How do you do that when there's no bolt hold open on this thing? True. So that would be harder. Uh, I don't know if anything else would be different. I know some of the bullpups, like the RDB would be a mess. If you, get, if you got a jam with the RDB because it ejects from the bottom here, it would be a disaster trying to fix that. Uh, and some of the other bullpups are, are disasters to try to do remedials on. I know. That's why I asked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tavor wouldn't be that. Well, it, it would be a little bit worse, but not that bad. Yeah. And then, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Anyways, thanks for coming on chat. It was, that was very uh, informative. Uh, please join a national firearms association, such as the CCFR. Check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. Like us on Facebook and reach out to your city councilor now to talk about municipal handgun bans because uh, they might be coming. I don't know. It seems kind of like distracted with a whole bunch of other stuff right now. Uh, <laughs> COVID. <laughs> the, our budget uh, for COVID that went from 270 billion to uh, 350 <laughs> overnight. <I know. laughs> that that, uh. that increase uh, was, uh, was something substantial. But uh, yeah, I imagine they'll still put it in. They've, you know, why not? Why not do it right now when when people can't really protest about it and that kind of thing. So reach out to your mm -hmm. city councilor, talk to them about municipal handgun bans. Make sure they're on your side because uh, otherwise this thing goes through and they ban your handguns, your SOL. Oops. And uh, and uh, predators like me end up buying your gun for like way <laughs> less than it should be just because there's too many on the market. Yeah. Well, Edmonton, you never know. No, they won't try now. Red Redmonton, I think is, is, is how yeah. you pronounce it. Yeah, no, I, I think we're fine here for, yeah. for a little while at least. Hey, uh, let's talk off air because Kingston's not. So, no. anyways, no. <laughs> I'm screwed. Yeah. Okay. We'll uh, we'll see you all next week. Hi. So, if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now, go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.